0: how many of you really appreciate patty bowman's ministry here in the house i know that actually the appreciation of everybody's heart's even louder than that but during pre-service prayer today patty began to pray and um she said that uh, she felt like the lord wanted to shut shut the doors to the past so that we could open doors into what's ahead and she had no idea that the word the Lord gave to share today about closing and dealing with strongholds and dealing with the demonic in our lives to shut the door uh, because and I just say that to confirm that God is here this is his work I've had so many people reach out during the week that said they're in need of this or they're really excited about what God's going to do in our lives and in our hearts today because um, uh, what I want to make sure that we I'm going to wrap up this week and sharing about demonic strongholds for the last couple for the last little while and if you're just getting caught up on that i I really encourage you to listen to what came before this is kind of like the icing on the cake today where we're really going to go after these things but i want to make sure that the one thing if you forget everything else that i've shared if you're in christ and you are filled with the spirit of the living god you have authority over everything to do with your life. There is no you are not a prisoner, you are not a victim, you are not a captive, you are not a helpless victim of circumstance. You are a free-born citizen of heaven. Amen. Nothing has a hold on you without your permission. And that's what we've been looking at. What are the ways that we give permission for darkness to enter our lives and even provide a place to be inhabited? By the forces of darkness by demons in the realm of the demonic fallen angels whatever term you prefer how do we do that how sometimes we're aware of it sometimes we're unaware of it but one thing's for sure once we see the fruit of it when we spot them now we've got them when a believer in Jesus Christ, who has Christ in him, Christ in her, the hope of glory, becomes aware of something that is holding us back from being the revelation of the glory of God, the representation of Jesus himself in the earth, now is the time for action. This is what spiritual warfare is all about. It's not gathering just with a circle of intercessors and shouting at all the principalities and powers. That's what but way back in my early days I thought spiritual warfare was about. No, spiritual warfare begins right in here. The battlefield of the heart, the battlefield ultimately of the mind. But how many of you know the heart thinks much more deeply than the mind and actually understands life better than the mind does? Our heart gets it. It really does. So, The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Remember this this year as we prepare to celebrate the incarnation. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Absolutely everything that makes us sad, miserable, angry, anxious, fearful, you name it. Any negative word you could use to describe life, those are the works of the devil. Are they all destroyed yet? Nope, that's, that's which is fine, because that means we're still needed. That's what we're here for. What Jesus began, he's finishing up by using the church. In fact, my favorite line in the book of Acts, the Luke, as he was writing this book about you know what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I write my most excellent Theophilus, which was whoever he was writing to his name, He said, in my first treatise I wrote to you about all of what Jesus began to do and teach. And it was like an intro to say, now here's what he continues to do through his apostles and through other prophets and evangelists and and the church at large. He's continuing that work. How many of you knew when you came to Christ and you received that glorious salvation that you also signed up for a ministry? Did you know that? You might not have known it at the time, I didn't understand it at the time. I kind of had an inkling of it at the time, but I had no idea what I was actually signing up for. I don't regret a day of it, but we were all signing up now to go out and destroy the same works of the devil that once kept us bound and in darkness. So I'd like to just share a few things before we really engage in a time of ministry together to make sure that we, first I want to tear down ideas and wrong concepts about what we call deliverance ministry. I know some of you, like the first time I mentioned that from this pulpit years ago, I remember like in the room, (gasps) deliverance, I saw that movie. Everybody my age who grew up in the 70s, like I saw when I was, when it came out, which I just found out was 1973, the, uh, w- was when, um, what's the movie with the girl, the, the exorcist with the head spinning thing in that. So I saw, I was like seven or eight years old at most and I watched that and I had this terrifying fear of the demonic of demons that they could do that to me anytime they wanted so I was afraid of the dark I was afraid of everything I mean I grew up in New York City it's never dark anywhere in New York City it is so bright you can't see you can see five stars in the night sky in New York I was amazed at how many stars were out there the first time I left the city and looked at them I was afraid of everything because I got a wrong concept of what demons were. And I thought they were as powerful as God. My mindset was that demons and angels were like equals and that the devil and God were in a combat with each other. And we were just kind of caught in the middle. I've since had every one of those lies completely obliterated in my mind, heart, soul, and in my strength. And I know that there is absolutely no contest. Satan stood up against God Lucifer was his angelic name stood up against God and as soon as the words came out of his mouth or whatever he did to announce his rebellion and trying to usurp the throne of God he fell like lightning out of heaven how long does it take for lightning to hit the earth that's how long that rebellion lasted (laughs) that that is it that is the truth of who God is as opposed to this fallen angel Lucifer all that he's got And his minions, which is, I think, the best term, and I hope instead of seeing creepy little gremlin-like demons, think of what the minions look like, those yellow with the googly eyes, because that's about as much fear as demons are worth of our attention. So next time you you hear, God, I pray that you would translate the voice of demons in our mind. It's not like, that it it would be just that reticulate like that. (laughs) Taya was obsessed with them and I was obsessed with them when they came out. But I'm telling you, when the curtain is pulled back, when we can see with unveiled eyes without the filters of fear and the lies that we've believed that is about how much the demonic has so i want to encourage you today whatever strongholds you've still got and we all still have stuff anyone says he's without sin first john one says he is a liar and the truth is not in him my friend used to say liars are friars You don't want to lie. The Lord knows already. There's no need to lie about anything. Can I just say one thing to you out of the gate right here? You're in the safest place you could possibly be to have your sins exposed, to have whatever darkness remain. God, I repent. I repent to you on behalf of any pastor, any leader in the church, or any Christian Whoever made you feel ashamed, when your darkness got exposed in front of them, that is not who God is. Amen. He is not afraid of our darkness. He, darkness is the same as light to Him. He is not afraid of it. He's not ashamed of it. He doesn't need you to clean the smell of pig off yourself. If you're like the prodigal who came home, did you ever notice that in that story? That boy had been feeding pigs. He walked home. He's got rags for shoes, no clothes. He's got no shoes on his feet. His father didn't come running down the road and go, whoa, what's that? (laughs) Servants, give him a bath first. (laughs) He just ran down the road, fell on his feet, hugged them all up tight. That's how God is with any bit of darkness that he finds and that gets exposed in our lives. And if the people of God have acted differently, then they need to repent. Some of the worst sins are the sins of pride, judgment, holier than thou. There ain't nobody, this preacher included, who didn't need a bath when he came to Christ and who didn't need another bath because he blew it again and another bath after that because he blew it again. There ain't nobody in this room that didn't need like a daily bathing ritual for all the junk that we brought. So be at peace. Relax, it's all good. Jesus said he didn't come for the healthy who don't need a physician, he came for the sick. When I came to Christ, I like needed an ambulance to get me to the hospital. I was so jacked up with the, what a mess I'd made in my life. And if that's you today, just relax. You're in good company oh, there might be something to look all cleaned up and proper and and that. And look, I'm not saying that all of us are a wreck because, man, I would be like, Holy Spirit's done nothing in 30 years of walking with him. It's not like that. That, I mean, he does intend to remake us back to look like the image and likeness of God. That's, That's his goal for our life. So no, we shouldn't be the same as we were when he found us in that miry clay. But on the other hand, there's nobody who's grown and matured to a place where now you see the glory of God shining in in a way that's almost intimidating and uh, like just this magnificent presence because they've learned how to express christ in them in a certain way that makes it feel like wow that's like a super saint like where's the frisbee on their head like i saw on my stained glass windows in the church i grew up in you know you're kind of looking for that i'm going to tell you that everybody came from the same place and everybody's going to the same place and not a one of us who has any right or cause or or permission to judge where somebody is on their road to glory So be at peace today. When it comes to the demonic, when it comes to deliverance ministry, I want to help us reset what normal means in the body of Christ. Because there are two extremes, and we'll address those today. One extreme is that there's a demon under every bush. Every problem's demonic. Everything you've got that's going on, like you burnt dinner, man, a demon got in there. You know? (laughs) I made I a mistype in my, my thing, and the date was, you know, Tuesday the 18th instead of Thursday the 21st. Man, a date demon got in there, and, you know. We say that jokingly sometimes, but that's one extreme. The other extreme is to act as though there's no such thing as demons. That they have nothing to do anymore with the world. That, you know, people were superstitious in the first century. I'm like, dude, you mean to tell me that the Son of God was superstitious? that all that dude needed was to get to a mental health institution he didn't need to be any demons done cast out of him come on now we're talking about the source of all truth the word of God made flesh I think he knew the difference yeah. <laughs> so we're going to aim for balance today we're going to do our best the word of God I've shared this before it's like a plumb line you know how those work I, I, have, I never drop a plumb line in my house because it was built 143 years ago and ain't nothing plumb in that house <laughs> except what's in the fridge sometimes. That's about all we got that's plumb. You drop a plumb line in a corner and it will tell you exactly whether that thing is perfectly straight or not. And the Word of God is like that. It's a plumb line. It brings us back to center. It brings us back to truth. And, and we're a church, just our basic belief is that the entirety of the Word of God from Genesis through Revelation is all God's revealed word. How we interpret it, we gotta watch that. But every bit of it's not only to be believed, but it's all to be experienced. We didn't come to an intellectual gospel. We didn't come to a belief system. We came to a living God who's like a consuming fire. He is real, he is active, and he wants us, all of us, to be able to love him with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength, he wants every bit of us involved in this thing because he created us and loves us to the core. He loves your guts, <laughs> including what's in them. He loves us enough to put us on a purge diet to clean out whatever's in the guts. So don't, <laughs> I don't want going further down that road. <laughs> So let's just be clear about something. The Great Commission includes casting out demons. You can't just skip over that part. You can't just do all the easy, you know, the fun stuff. I'm all oh, right. Wow. Healing's good. Hearing good news is good and all that. Um, I don't know. About, well, hey, I'll read it to you. This is Mark's. Jesus gave more than one commission. There were times he kept telling his apostles, this is what I want you to do, here's what you're going to do, and here's what's going to happen. He said to them in the Gospel of Mark, go into all the world, preach the Gospel to all creation. All creation. Man, I'm so excited for you guys. I had no idea, 0.01% where you're going. That That hit me when you said that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who is believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. The first one that Jesus thought of is all these signs that are going to follow those who believe. He, he said they're going to have great church services and the altar is going to be filled with people crying and repenting and they're going to have every seat filled on Sunday morning and they're going to be blessed and they're going to have two cars and a nice TV and they're going to be so peaceful. And all. <laughs> Sorry, I put it up there already. So no, in my name, first thing, they will cast out demons. They will cast out demons. For this reason was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Who continues the works of the devil in the world? Well, he has demons and then he has humans who let them borrow their authority and find open doors into his creation. And that's how nations, lives, families get ruined is when the demonic finds access to a people because of a variety of things, but because they borrow the authority of those who have been given all authority. They will speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. If they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the great commission. Here it is in the gospel of Matthew. Oh, I'm sorry. Here it is first. This is when Jesus first sent out the 12. They were newbies. They'd never done this on their own up until this point. This is maybe a year into Jesus' time with his disciples, the 12 that he chose to be apostles. And, and they're just kind of, they've been watching Jesus do all kinds of stuff. Heal the sick, cast out dead. Jesus is doing it all at first. He's calming the waters while they're in the boat. He's feeding 5,000 people with a happy meal. I mean, he's just doing all the stuff. And then Jesus said, tag your it. This is in Matthew, uh, what's it, Matthew 12, Matthew 10. Somewhere in the Gospel of Matthew it says, he sent them out, and this is what he said, as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You ready? You know what's gonna be in there. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It just seems to always pop up. Now, Either people were just really, really badly demonized back then and now they're gone. Or this is right front and center with what it means for the son to make people free. That he desires us to be completely washed, completely freed from every demonic influence. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus commissioned them to do that. Now I've heard from some, all right, well that was the apostles though. That's not for us today. Well, here's the great commission that most people memorize. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, it's all authority. How much is left for the devil? That's right. Good. You're good at math. I'm glad we, we got that. All right. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're down with that. We can have a nice intellectual gospel. I'm just gonna preach. People are gonna respond, and then then we do that. And then he went on, though, and he said, teaching them to do whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, do I I have to back up? Are you tracking with me, right? He told them, go out cast out demons, heal the lepers, cure the sick. And he said in the Great Commission, teach those that you reach to do everything that I told you to do. So are we all called in part to the ministry of delivering people from demonic spirits? Yes, we are. The good news, he's with us in it. He is with us in it. Till so the end of the age, he is with us in all of it. So the ministry of deliverance, which scripturally we it's mainly called casting out demons, is not a less part of the gospel today than it was when Jesus gave us our commission. There is no reason to believe that the kingdom of darkness is not still active in the earth. I and mean, my goodness opened the newspaper. I just said newspaper do you guys know a newspaper it was this old school thing where it was on print and you opened it up and on the front page was the main news and then page six was all the gossip at least in the New York papers yeah when you go to your website or your app I mean do, do we really need any evidence that the kingdom of darkness is still very much active in the world I want to tell you what it is In the world, and what it is in your life individually is the last gasp of a defeated kingdom desperately trying to hold territory that it's already lost. You got strongholds, we got sin that remains in our lives. It's not who you are, it's not who we are. We are saints of God. Can I get you to say that out loud with me? Say, I am a saint, I am not a sinner. Okay, you, we are. Every letter of the New Testament, most all of them open with the address to the saints which are in Ephesus. And they weren't in stained glass with Frisbees up on top of their heads, like, you know, the ones that get names and, you know, get cred for it. Every one of us, saint, not a sinner. Christ is in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are holy because God lives in you. There's just no, there's no arguing with that. But some have come to believe somehow that, that that's not me. That's, that's like for, for other people, it's not me. Let's come into truth. Let's come into a reality of not only who God is, but who we are because of who lives in us. So, not all emotional and mental problems are demonic. All right? There, there is such a thing as mental illness. Our brain is an amazing. Talk about fearfully and wonderfully made. We're still trying to figure out the thing that helps us figure out how to figure out the thing that's a figurer. <laughs> I and mean, I, I started out in college. I, I chose the, what I thought would be the easy route. I was a pre-med student, so I, cho- I thought I'll be a psychology major. It's a science. All my chemistry and physics friends called it a pseudoscience, which bothered me. But anyway, so I took that. And what I learned about the brain circa 1986, compared to what we know now. I mean, it was like when we were, you know, trying to figure out how to get a train to go across the country compared to sending astronauts to the moon. How much more we know now. And yet ask any honest brain person, They say, we've barely just scratched the surface of what there is to understand about it. It's an amazing organ. It is made up of chemicals. And there is such a thing as damage to it. There is sickness that has to do with mental issues, not just physical. Of course, it ends up pervading all of us, body, mind, soul, and spirit. And us are completely interlocked. You can't just minister to one part of a person. They all connect. We are triune beings and you can't just minister and get away from things. Physical issues can cause weariness of heart and soul, and spiritual issues can cause sickness of the body. We're all intertwined like that. So not everything is demonic, but also not all emotional and mental problems are not demonic. I mean, we ask this question in the West all the time. Why don't we see as many miracles here? Why don't we see a lot of demons cast out? I would propose that it's because now when somebody manifests extreme demonic behavior we put them in a mental institution again not everybody in a mental institution has demons but i would suggest there's probably plenty of them that do and it just got misdiagnosed you know that what you misdiagnose you will mistreat so you're trying to take care of a physical problem in somebody you can put them on all the meds you want if it's spiritual in nature you can't heal a demon and you can't cast out a sickness, right? So we've got to be discerning. We have to learn how to do this and, and love the person and love, love ourselves enough to be willing to say, God, help me come to a proper diagnosis of what my problem really is. More on that in a minute. So let's answer this simple question. Can a Christian have demons? <laughs> I'm stepping right in it now. I was shut off to the idea of this like my first month in Christ, I was listening to, we didn't have podcasts back then. You had to listen to a radio program and then you had to fill out a card and subscribe and you would get your cassette tapes to listen to the message that you missed because you weren't listening to the radio at the time. There was no rebroadcast. That's how we did it back in the ancient times than that. So I did it and there was this one Bible teacher I really really loved him. He was an evangelical very scholarly but a really good teacher and preacher. He engaged me and I remember he he brought this subject up one of the first messages I heard him teach. He said can a Christian have a demon and he said absolutely not. When a demon comes knocking on the door of a Christian's heart Holy Spirit opens the door and that's the end of that. And so I bought that and moved on and never really thought about it after that. So I started realizing that, you know, I think I've still got some issues that are very stubborn. And I know it's not me. It's like this old stuff that just keeps coming back. And all of a sudden, I'm out of control again. I'm going back into this compulsive sin or this thought thing that, that keeps happening. And I can't do anything about it. So here's my, here would be my response. And he, I'm not going to argue with him. He's an eminent theologian but I will stick to the word and what I see in the word so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit right can the Holy Spirit can the temple have both the Holy Spirit and idols in it at the same time you betcha remember Solomon's temple This was the first temple. It was so glorious when the building project was finished. The priests began to minister. The temple was filled with ministering priests. And then it says the presence of God came into that place. And it was so strong the way the scripture describes it is the priest could not stand to minister. That's how powerful the presence of God was. It was like our born-again moment. All of you remember that moment, maybe some subsequent times when you were filled again with just the glory of God. It was just so overwhelming. I don't know about you, I couldn't see. I was crying so hard. I went through a box of tissues and my sleeves. You know, I, mean, I was just so overwhelmed with the presence of God in that moment. I couldn't imagine I would ever sin again. Well, just like in the days of old, do you know that by the end of Solomon's life, there were idols in that temple that he built? Some of his wives, you know, brought idols with them from, I mean, you shouldn't have a thousand wives. Let's just get that down, right? <laughs> anyway, you never know what they're going to be bringing. I mean, it's, anyway. <laughs> One wife is plenty for any normal man. <laughs> To connect with and engage and become one flesh with. I don't know how he did a thousand. But anyway, there were idols in that same temple. And therefore there was worship of idols in the same place where there was the Holy of Holies. I don't know. I'm always looking up there like that's the Holy of Holies because the cross is up there and that's what that is, the mercy seat. But anyway, so they, had, they were worshiping Yahweh making sacrifices and people were coming in and worshiping idols in the same room and there's no record of anybody being struck dead in the temple of Solomon or in all the years that that temple stood no record of somebody they started worshiping an idol boom lightning struck i mean the two of the first high priest sons died for bringing the wrong sacrifice the wrong kind of incense before but nobody died from worshiping idols in the temple yes we can but only by our invitation. This is where I think the line will be. Demons cannot come and infect, and I think that's the best image I can offer. It's like an infection. Demons cannot infect a believer who is being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's another argument that some will make, well, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, how is there room for demons? And I'll back it up and say, well, are you actually filled with the Holy Spirit? Or you just got a little bit? Holy Spirit, it's not like just a dab will do you. <laughs> Holy Spirit is, you know, if, if we have to ask the question of our, our soul is our spiritual glass half empty or half full? It doesn't matter, it's not full. The problem is we are made to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And whatever is not filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever part of our lives is not filled with that living, loving presence of the Spirit of God, that leaves room for other spirits by our invitation to come and fill that place. So we we have company and we invite them to come if we don't say, okay, Spirit of God, I need to be possessed by God. I want to be from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, body, mind, soul, spirit, filled with love, filled with your presence in such a way that there's no room for anything in my life but that. Now that's the ideal. That's the goal on that. Let me just share one story of deliverance uh, in Matthew 17. You know, I was thinking about this. I've been kind of refreshing myself and reading all the stories of deliverance ministry as Jesus did it. And I was thinking that one of the reasons why I think Christians are so uncomfortable with saying the word demon connected to you know, the church or, or people in there. And oh, look, I'm gonna, I've been pastoring 23, only 23 years. I'm still a newbie by biblical standards at it. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen the demonic manifest in my office, both here and at Christ Community Church. Sometimes it's like, you know, I'll just be, and you know, if you've, been, if you've been with me in the office, I'm not harsh, I don't think, anyway. <laughs> I try not to be, I try not to pull New York Steve out. When I'm, but I've had people sit on my couch, and as I'm just asking questions and pushing, especially on subjects like forgiveness and bitterness, and I've had people look me across that couch, like that, like baring their teeth at me. I almost laughed out loud one time because it it just looks funny. You know, some people, when they go like that, it just looks funny. (laughs) I'm like, now you normally are this real prim and proper self-control, like never move your voice beyond here. And now all of a sudden you go like that. I mean, well, I'm going to just go with demon. (laughs) I think we got, I think we got an infection here. I think you got a host of maybe, maybe you got a bunch. I don't know. We'll find out (laughs) with that. But <laughs> why am I saying that? Because I think that in the scriptures, all the examples of Jesus casting out demons, they come out with shrieks and cries. There's like a thousand of them and one guy, this demon throws a kid into the fire and this one's, you know, they're, they're like in epileptic fits and this one is mute and there's like these major, really freaky consequences of, of having demons and those are the ones that made the word, okay? they're Like this book is just a book of things that, Let's make sure everybody hears about this. What's not told in this book are the story of everyday saints like I'm filled, like I'm surrounded by right now. And just normal everyday deliverance. I want to I use that term as often as I can. Normal everyday deliverance ministry. Do <laughs> so you know that our physical body does this every day for us. I think the immune system of the physical body is what, like, deliverance, casting out demons, and dealing with infections of sin is like in the spiritual. Our body, right now, there are thousands, millions actually, viruses, bacteria, fungus, all this stuff that we breathe in and we eat. And, oh man, have you ever done a detox? Like one of those things like you put your feet in the water and and stuff and the, the stuff that's in you comes out or but our body is dealing with infection 24 7 365 and an infection gets in our body and these white blood cells are going around the body looking for them. be aware and alert the scripture says for he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour we're always told to be watchful be alert pay attention Pay attention to moments of life. This is a like this would be a good thing to write down. Pay attention to the moments of life that you're not feeling the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost, because anything that's not that is an area that somehow the kingdom of darkness has some kind of sway. So it's going around our body. They spot something that doesn't belong. Have you ever seen like under a microscope like white blood cells in action? They are vicious. They are vicious. Some of them. Like there's a little, there's this little virus coming in and going, hey, who are you? Um, you know, I'm, I belong here. I'm, I've got, uh, no, you're not. You don't belong in that. <laughs> and then you pee it out. Some of them, they they come and there's this, you know, like bacteria or whatever thing going in. It comes and goes and obliterates it into a million pieces. How you obliterate one cell into a million pieces, man? They're vicious. White blood cells are vicious. So is the Holy Spirit within us. Why he's called a consuming fire, because he wants to consume all that stuff. He wants to obliterate it in our spirit so we're not learning to live with this. Who wants to live with a physical sickness? Who wants to live with cancer and not do something about it? Who wants to have the, the disease that shall not be named and not do anything about it, right? We, we just want to see it in our spirit obliterated. And so I'm going to just pull some things out. I think this one story illustrates all of what I want to share, and then we're going to, then we're going to practice some of this, all right? So here's in Matthew chapter 17, if you have your Bible. And this is after the transfiguration, and then Jesus comes back to the crowd and, and this, so he's alone with his disciples. He comes back to the crowd. And a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So first thing from this, he is a lunatic. His father gave him a label. Some of the reasons why we have strongholds is because we've been labeled. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but names never hurt me, never went to middle school. (laughs) Words have the power of life and death. That goes for believers and unbelievers, by the way. We didn't just get authority in our mouth because we got saved. Oh, now it's supercharged because we have Holy Spirit. But always our words have had power in all of us. I bet there's not a one of us in this room that didn't have something pronounced over us the the extreme terminology for it would be to, be to say you had a curse spoken over you you'll never amount to anything you're stupid you are ugly you're short you got a big nose who would ever want to kiss a face like that i'm just naming some of mine he's this this is what was said to me you got ridiculous ears you look like a monkey that was, I mean, that's just a sampler. you all, you all know what I'm talking about. You went to middle school or you've lived life around people. So this father had boxed his son in, you know, what we do today with mental illness or with any kind of issues at all, we come up with terminology for it. There is a name for every condition. And it seems like every, it used to be about every 10 years. Now it seems like every year we double the number of conditions that we can label Like, you know, I think the label wasn't created, but I probably would have been tagged with ADHD. He's got ADHD, or ADD. I wasn't so much hyperactive, but I I could not pay attention. Every one of the first five-year report cards, my mother gave them to me a couple of years ago, every one of my teachers needs to improve his penmanship, needs to pay attention better in class. I would have been diagnosed and tagged as attention deficit disorder you know, what was actually going on was I had a creative mind and she would say something in English class and I'm thinking about how a rocket could land on a moon and then take back off again. It it was because that was much more interesting than what she, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The point is labels do not accept a label unless it is son of God, daughter of God, beloved of God. Righteous one, saint of the God most high. Accept those labels and grip them and hold on to them for dear life. But don't you embrace a label like recovering alcoholic. You were an alcoholic. You gotta watch and be careful that you don't get sucked back into it, but you're not recovering. You are healed. You are restored. That stronghold has been broken off of your life. You are not victim of whatever circumstance. That is not your label. Don't let anybody define you except the God who created you. So he is a lunatic. He's he's got a mental illness. Notice also this father wasn't open. He didn't say anything. As I read on, you'll see um, he didn't acknowledge that this could be a demon. He was describing a mental illness condition. And he's very ill. He's sick. That's his problem, is that he's sick. Now, I I think I shared with you uh, here or somewhere that sometimes um, when the Scripture talks about demons being cast out, that person was cured or healed. And there is a healing element to deliverance ministry. It's like if you have an infection and you have symptoms of that infection. When you're healed, you know you're healed because all the symptoms begin to go away. Right, If you're healed, you know that you've recovered from the flu because you don't have a fever anymore and you're not sweating, wishing you would die. Right, That's how you know you got healed of the flu. So this is what he does. He goes into the fire, sometimes in the water. And then he goes on, he says, I brought him to your disciples and uh, they could not cure him. This, this moment has convicted me and I've prayed and asked the Lord for a greater anointing Many times. How many of you wish that every time somebody came to you with a problem that was spiritual, they were instantly healed, instantly saved, instantly healed, instantly delivered? I just want to hastily add something so everybody's at peace about this. Sometimes it happens instantly. Sometimes, for whatever reason, God wants us to walk a journey of wholeness. That's called inner healing. Sometimes we're delivered from it, but the symptoms remain. That's inner healing. It's like, you know, if you got hit by a bus, you could survive it. You could be alive, but you're going to have a while to heal and let those bones begin to grow together and all the things that got obliterated. It works like that with the heart, too. So the disciples could not cure him. This was one fail for the disciples. Now, Jesus' response is, oh, Jesus answered, and he said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Like, man, if you ever, all right, any of you, you ever think I'm hard on you? Just I'm just saying. You ever think your boss is hard on you? This is Jesus. Unbelieving, perverted generation. How long shall I be with you? See, that's why New Yorkers, I think, are, are right, uh, biblically, like it's a more biblical, Right because that's how we talk to each other then. What's wrong, you idiot? What's wrong? No, I'm not, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That is not right. You don't treat people like that, right? Lesser Jesus. Now, how long shall I put up with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring him here to me. He's really, he's not like going off on the disciples. He's just saying, he's, you remember Jesus is looking at reality with a heavenly lens all the time. And there are moments that his heart is grieved because if we only knew the authority that we carried, if we only knew how quickly, like if, imagine if one billion Christians that uh, were somewhere about that, professed Christians in the world, or one day woke up, got a full revelation of who we are, and got courageous enough to go ahead and follow through on what we're supposed to do because of who we are, that place wouldn't be 0.01% Christian, I'll tell you that. And the world will be an instantly can a nation be born in a day yeah yeah it can when the people of god wake up and do their thing so bring him here to me he said so jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once right here in the scripture is everything we need to know he rebuked him not the boy not the father Not the disciples. Jesus saw through. They came to him. The father said, "He's he's a lunatic. He has a mental problem, and that's why he does this thing." Jesus said, "No, it's demonic. That's a demon." So he spoke right to the demon. This is the only thing that we ever talk to demons about, is to say, "Get out." That's about it. You could phrase it different ways. You could rebuke it, whatever that sounds like to you. But we don't ask them questions. You don't, when, when you're interacting with the demonic because they lie, that's what they're really good at. That's the thing they're best at is lying. You don't talk to demons. You don't have a conversation with demon. When we're ministering to somebody and we start to sense, hey, this person may have a demon, I want to talk to that person. I'm going to say, demon, you be quiet. I want to talk to the person that you're infecting right now, not you. I'm, not, I'm only here to tell you your days are numbered. And I want to talk to the person. So Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him. Now everybody knows, oh, this is a demon. All right, we are dealing with something demonic. Not everything is demonic, but not everything is not demonic. Cast out the demon, and all the symptoms disappeared. The boy was cured at once, he was healed. So it was demonic in origin, and he was healed as soon as the demon left him. So then the disciples came to Jesus privately. And they said, why couldn't we drive it out? This, by the way, is long after. They were sent out two by two, and they saw they were casting out demons. They were doing all this stuff. They came back and said their favorite testimony of all the things they did. Even the demons listened to us. It was so awesome, Jesus. Wish you could see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and you know, good job, guys. But they said, what happened here? Why couldn't we drive this one out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. You ever wish you could just say, whoa, 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 wait, Jesus, say that again? You just said, I've got little faith. Now you're telling me to have faith the size of the littlest seed that there is. (laughs) Help me with this one. The littleness of your faith. Probably not a great translation of the word. It just means that within there, they did believe. These guys had right not to believe, like hoping they'll see it one day. These guys were believers because they'd done that stuff already. So it's not like they were new to deliverance ministry. It's that for some reason they failed. And what Jesus was correcting them about was that you allowed doubt to get in there. You allowed, uh, you, in your mind, you began to say, I'm not sure I can do this. Maybe, you know, they tried it and it failed. Maybe they were an hour or two hours or something like that. Nothing was happening. Now they became a host for skepticism. Maybe it wasn't a demon after all. Maybe I'm, I don't have what it takes to do all of this thing. That's what they did. That, so what Jesus was urging them to do is, I do you, have no doubt. No doubt don't doubt what the Word of God says. You might say, well, yeah, but I've tried it before and it didn't work. I prayed for a sick person. They didn't get healed. I, I encountered the demonic. I rebuked it even in my own self and nothing happened as a result. Well, that doesn't change what the Word of God says, guys. We will not be what we call experiential theology. We don't let our experience change the Word of God and that's why a lot of people kind of skip over. When they see the word demon, they skip over that part and they move on. As if that part of the Word of God—that's not gonna—I uh, don't want that to address anything in my life. So he goes, "Look, if, if you just say to this mountain, move from here to there, it'll do it. Nothing will be impossible for you." And here's what he and then he goes with this: This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now you might notice that as we read that story, Jesus didn't say, I right, hold on a second. I got to go fast and pray. I'll be back in a couple of days." He was ready for it because he lived a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. He lived a lifestyle of intimacy with the Father. Jesus lived full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived with such intimacy that he said, oh, I've become so intimate with my Father in heaven. The only thing I do is whatever I see my Father in heaven doing. That's how intimate I am with him. And he lived that way. So what's the best way to make sure that we are ready deal with the demonic in our lives and in other people live a lifestyle of intimacy all right can I have the worship team come up here and um just get ready just kind of start playing some soft music Um, just I think just we only really need we don't need percussion just the instruments maybe just the keys and guitar will be fine for this so you guys can just experience the ministry so three ways that we remain stuck with our own demons. We're going to start with ourselves because if you want to free other people, you can't do it while you're still a prisoner. Right? So we're we're going to go after, and I'm going to teach you a couple of some things today, how to do what we'd call self-deliverance. Because not everything requires hey, i got to go and get somebody to pray for me. As we grow in the Lord, and we understand our authority in Christ, and we understand whose we are, and what the Lord has for us to do, then we know how to take authority over our own stuff. How many of you want to be free? How many of us just want to be nothing but righteousness, peace and joy? Uh, here's the three ways that we remain stuck. Number one is if we don't believe in them. I hope we've dealt with that today. They are real. They can be dangerous. Only if we give them permission. they can destroy. The enemy's intent is to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly, but the enemy loves to steal our joy and our peace. He loves to kill every good thing that comes out of our lives. He loves to destroy the work of God. Good news is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and he's always gonna win. Number two way is when we partner with them. Either we partner with them by continuing to willfully sin We continue on in the same things when we're free and we choose to do it, which is not the same as bondage. Um, I've given this picture to you guys before, I think, but let me just do this real quick. When, When we are, before we come to know the Lord, we're in need of repentance. everything with God begins with repentance which doesn't mean oh beat up on me Jesus punish me for my sins and for what I've done repentance simply means I'm going in this direction and now I'm gonna go in this direction and here's what happens though we start to head toward God. We've turned toward Him and we're walking toward Him. We're beginning to experience freedom and then something sucks us back into darkness, right? You've all experienced that? Something like begins to take us in a backward direction. So we begin to struggle and climb and we're pulling our way back up again and then we're on our feet again and we go in and oh, it tripped and stumbled and I fell again. And some of us have gotten so frustrated at that back and forth that we've begun to walk this way again you to do today cease from striving we will be free you will be free as soon as you say I'm not partnering with this anymore I'm taking who I am in God and I don't care if you try to take me out I'm heading toward Jesus I've got my life focused on him and I'm gonna look to him the author and perfecter of my faith third way the most common way is if we've come to, we don't believe that we actually have the power to rid ourselves of them. You have authority. We have all authority in Christ to deal with any issue of our life. So, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to teach some things right now and walk us through self-deliverance you don't have to wait for an altar call you don't have to wait for somebody who's a prophet or a gift of anything if you're in Christ you have authority to do it Ephesians 4 says be angry and don't sin don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity which means a, uh, a place to work from deliverance begins with saying I'm shutting the door on that issue in my life isn't it? I'm not going to partner with that anymore. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I'm not going to be obsessed over this anymore. I'm Shutting that door. And we have authority over the doors of our heart to do that. Like I'm not sure what it sounds like up front, but can you turn the keys down a little bit? Thing I want to do, I'm going to ask all of you to just kind of stand to your feet for this time of ministry right now. If you're not laying hands on somebody or receiving something from the Lord, um, I just invite you to, to join the worship team in worship if we're singing together like that. So, everybody stay engaged. Stay engaged. The freedom that God's going to bring to some people today is worth our time and it's worth our attention. So, I first want to give an opportunity. That if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ or you've given your life to him before and you realize you did this you started walking toward him and then those old ways those old things from your history began to suck you back in again so many people experience this with addictions you get free you're dry for a while you're sober for a while and then all of a sudden it's like a voice And that's how it's described. It sounds like a voice and like a force is pulling me back in. That is the demonic stronghold that you got set free from trying to get you off path. And the, the solution is first to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my God. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. So if you're here today and you would like to do that now, please raise your hand right where you are. that freedom that comes from me. my fist at God, or I'm hardening my heart and saying in my soul, I don't care. See, nothing else that I'm about to, that we're about to walk through will matter if we're in willful sin a rebellion against God. So take a moment and repent of whatever known sin you have in your life right now. mouth, and giving yourself permission to gossip, slander, giving yourself permission to tear others down with the words of your mouth, whether actual verbal or on social media, if you've been using your voice, as it were, to tear others down, I urge you to repent of that now. sins of the flesh these are the ones that come with with really strong addictions any sins of the flesh that you know there have been moments that god's convicted you and you've had freedom from it but then you chose that chain again you got freed from the shackles and put your hands right back in it again repent of that now before god and it's not a fancy prayer guys it's just god would you please forgive me for doing that and now make me will and do your good pleasure instead of that. Okay. Now the, the first and best way to live a life of freedom is to be So I'm going to ask all of those present who are in the leadership team in the church who have baptized people in the Holy Spirit before, please step out onto the sides and lift up your hands so everybody can see you. Go ahead and make your way around on the sides and toward the front over here and lift up your hands. Being filled with the Spirit is the most awesome experience a believer can have. You may have been saved, you may have come out of darkness into his life and repented of what you used to be and of the things you used to do, but there's got to be something that replaces that old habit. We all sin because we had an old desire. So we repented, which means we turned around, but now God's going to give us something to make the journey light and easy and joyful. And if you're here and you've never been filled with the Spirit, or if you find yourself, you've been here and you've been a little dry, maybe life has just sucked you dry a little bit, I'm going to encourage you to just go up to one of these folks who has their hands up and let them bless you and pray over you that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to just take a few minutes to do that. The rest of us will just join in and sing in worship so ministry team keep your hands up if you're um, somebody who has done that before and then i'm going to urge you to just make your way over and be filled with the holy spirit the rest of us will just minister to the lord while we do that Comes our way when things are done to us. Some open doors happen because we, on purpose, uh, have embraced something. We've embraced a lie, or we've embraced a way of living that we know from the truth of God's word is contrary to how heaven is. And so, we're going to be intentional about closing some doors right now. So, do you, um, you can just receive from the Lord the willful sin talked about a minute ago. Another very common one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. There's so many people who've received healing on the other side of forgiving from the heart. When we hold on to bitterness, we're holding on to judgment. If if we choose to remain in a state of unforgiveness, it means something in us will leave. That that person that sinned against us deserves to be punished for what they did, and we're ho- it's like bitterness is holding out hope that they're going to pay for what they did. You, and I have a spirit on the inside of us that enables us to forgive the unforgivable things that, that have happened. This uh, one of the lies about forgiveness is that it means we're giving people a pass to sin. That's not what forgiveness does One of the lies about forgiveness Is that they're just going to get away With what they did And they will never reap what they sowed And it's unjust, it's not fair It's not right Here's the truth about forgiveness Is that the only one who's paying a price For the sin of somebody else When we hold on to unforgiveness Is us We're now paying a price For someone else's sin So just uh, close your eyes for a moment in the presence of the Lord and let him search your heart. Is there anybody in your life right now that you know you have not forgiven from the heart? There's so much that can be said about the subject of forgiveness, but let me be clear. There may have been times that in your mind you said, I release this person. I, I, I don't want them to be punished. I know I'm supposed to forgive because God forgave me and so I'm supposed to forgive. We're, we're not looking to strive your way into forgiveness right now. We're looking to ask Holy Spirit right now to give you an anointing to release people from what they've done. Where from your heart you will now be free of the sin of that person that wronged you. By letting them go the same way Jesus let you go. So if you have a person in your mind already, you can pray this after me. Repeat, pray this together with me. Lord, I forgive. And then you name that person. It is important that you're specific with this. Lord, I forgive my father. Lord, I forgive my husband. Lord, I forgive my teacher. Lord, I forgive my co-worker. You can name them before the throne of God right now. I forgive. Lord, I release that one from the punishment they deserve. The same way you released me from the punishment I deserved, I release her, I release him from the punishment he deserves. I proclaim good news to that one. I proclaim the mercy of God upon that life. This is forgiving from the heart your mouth to give agreement to the word of the Lord. I release good news on you. I release freedom on you. I bless that one. I bless that one. I pray To their sin with your mercy. And this is one you can. to repent of the judgments that that you've made concerning their motive I know why that one did it you believe that because it gives you permission to hold on to unforgiveness so I repent See you right now this chosen one of God and be gone out of this life now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of love, come and settle on every heart right now. Spirit of grace and truth, settle on every heart right now. Spirit of forgiveness and freedom, come and settle on every heart right now. If you feel like you need some help, Releasing that one. This is such a strong one, guys. This one, unforgiveness and bitterness and judgment. It's it's like a mother of so many strongholds. So many other ones are attached to this. And if you need help with this right now, the people who are standing on the sides, would you put your hands back up again? Feel free to seek one of them out. Sometimes strongholds come down just with the word of our mouth, and sometimes we take a warrior with us. And say, would you help me take this stronghold? Because I'm really sick of living with this unforgiveness. I'm sick of waking up with the anxiety and the anger in my soul. Don't leave this place still bound by that. Go and get some prayer, some more prayer, and be free of that thing once and for all. Okay, another common open door is generational iniquity sins that have come down through our family line alcoholism for example it's just known that if your grandfather was an alcoholic you're most likely or your father most likely was you'll most likely be one but almost there, there are so many things that come down through family legacy I want to break one lie off before I speak to this and that is that the scripture says in Exodus well doesn't he visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me yeah he visits those sins but you have the power to break that curse in jesus name you are not subject to that curse you are not subject to the sins of those who went before you are not destined to repeat them you are not made in the image of your natural father you are made in the image of your heavenly father and you are free of that generational sin in jesus name But some of these have become, they're so woven into us that we've learned to live with them. So, Lord, call to mind right now generational sin that's made it down, that these folks present now and those watching online can see it evident right now in behaviors. some who comes from, some who come from angry families. There's a lot of shouting, a lot of screaming, a lot of slamming and banging. There was even physical violence in your house. And you see the tendency already. Some, some of your fathers are beginning to see that tendency with your young children seeing the anger begin to well up and it comes in the form of where you're ready to scream bang slam and shout and even get physical in a way that's not it's not the discipline of the Lord so join me in this prayer there's some who are here right now you've got in your family line a spirit of gossip. Your family are known as the ones who always know everybody else's business. And at your family gatherings, you gather around the table and the subject of conversation is very little about the Lord, very little about catching up with each other and a lot about what's going on in a a bunch of other people's lives. And I'm telling you, it's bringing judgment into your family and you're training your children in that very same thing. They're going to go and repeat it. You can bet your bottom dollar if you don't renounce it right now. So whatever it is for you, those are two that the Lord brought to my heart, whatever it is for you, you go ahead and say, I renounce that spirit, and you name it. I renounce that spirit of anger. I renounce that spirit of gossip. I renounce that spirit of abuse. I renounce that sexual sin. Some of you saw your father's pornography when you were just coming into your teenage years, filled by the Spirit right now, there's some, you saw your father engaged in pornography, whether on a screen or a a magazine, some kind of pictures you saw it and that was your introduction into that sin in your life You have the authority right now in the name of jesus to renounce that and say that spirit will not rest on my house that spirit will not take take refuge in my soul and it will not be transferred to my sons you have to use your mouth to do this this is i'm teaching you how to take authority over your own demonic strongholds you renounce it now it's the generational iniquity that you see being visited in your own family right now. Go after that in the name of Jesus. And I speak a word of freedom to you. On that cross, he became sin who knew no sin. He became the curse of sin embodied on that cross so that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ no longer be subject. You are not subject to the sins of your fathers and the sins of your mothers. Every generational iniquity is cut right now in the name of Jesus. You have nothing to do with it. Shut the door on your family's history. Shut the door on your family's idols right now. Whatever things took precedence over the Lord, you right now in Jesus' name are authorized to shut that door. It will not visit you or your children or their children. Break that lie off in Jesus' name. Well, it's always been this way, and nobody's ever seen freedom. For some, you got a spirit of divorce in your family. Like you're the only ones who have made it this far in your marriage. Everybody who came before is divorced. Your family tree is a tangled mess. I'm seeing like this vision right now, a tangled mess of all these extra branches from all the remarriages and you know you got to have Christmas six times because of all the divorce and remarriage it will not visit you in Jesus name you will not permit that into your own marriage and it will not have sway over you not in your family you can say it with all authority not on my watch not in my generation Another very common, if you need help with that one, and you know, man, this thing's really, I I hear it and I believe it. If you need help with that, again, the prayer, prayer team is around the sides right now to join you in prayer for that. In replacement, of that generational iniquity, you are now as a David to your family. I'm speaking to you. You are now as a David in your family. You're going to remove all the curse and all the ways of your family before. You're going to make a new way. People are not going to talk about you the way that you've known your ancestors. No, your descendants are going to talk about you as, a wonder if I'm following in the footsteps of that righteous father, that righteous mother who turned my family around in a new direction. That's your destiny in Jesus' name. Another very common open door are word curses and inner vows. Word curses are when, as I, I think I had a word a few minutes ago about somebody told you something about you. You'll never amount to anything. You're ugly. You're Those are word curses. Somebody used their mouth to put you down. You're not worth my time. You're not, worth, you're not worthy of love. There's something wrong with you that makes you, you... You just don't belong. You don't fit in with the crowd. You're not cool. You're, you're a geek. You're a fill-in-the-blank. What, what's been spoken over you? you know, sometimes even in moments of anger, even even we parents have said things that afterward, I can't believe I just said that over my own son. You know, he called me, you fool. Things that have been spoken over you right now that took root in your heart, you you began to believe that lie. You began to believe that lie. You can right now just say, I reject that. It's going to fall off of me right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to amount to nothing. I'm not going to amount to nothing. I'm speaking to somebody. You're not going to amount to nothing. Saw you before He made the foundations of the earth, and you're His workmanship. You're His master project. You are like a one-of-a-kind sculpture made by the King of the Universe, the Creator of all things. And He wove you in the mother's womb. There's nobody else at all like you in all of His creation. There's nobody who comes close to you and the glory and majesty of what He made you to be. And he created you for those good works in Christ. And he already foreordained that you could walk in those. So right now, break off that curse that holds you back. Break off that thing that makes you not step out and being bold and courageous into the very thing that God called your life to be and that thing that God called you to do. Accompanying this or inner vows these are promises that we make to ourselves, usually as a result of the hurts of other people which mainly come through the mouth we make promises like I will never trust somebody again with my heart that, that's, those are the words spoken from a demonic stronghold I will never allow somebody to hurt me again you know how unrealistic that is right the only way you do that is by being a hermit closing your heart off from the world. That's the the consequence of those kind of inner vows. I will never let somebody talk to me like that again. And so the response to it is, I'm going to just keep away from that kind of people. Some promises are made to be broken, and inner vows are like that. Jesus said, "Don't, don't swear, don't make any oaths. Anything more than saying yes, amen, or no is, is from the devil, he said. So what oaths have you made? What promises have you made? Mainly, they come in the form of I will never fill in the blank. Just renounce those now in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the words of your own mouth and the words of the mouths of others. In Jesus' name, I reject this is for you to pray. I reject that label that was put on me. I reject that covenant of darkness that I made, and I'm leaving it behind right now in Jesus' name. I proclaim what the Word of God says about you, that you are chosen, you are not forsaken. You are who He says you are. You are beautifully made in the image of the most beautiful thing in all of creation. God Himself. You are fearfully, wonderfully made, and you are flawless in His design, made by the God who never makes mistakes. It's so a spirit of rejection. You're gone right now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of self loathing. You're gone right now in the name of Jesus. Have no portion you have no right you have no place in the heart of any of these believers in the Most High of any of these temples of the Holy Spirit idols that have been made the idol of making covenant of protection I will now allow myself to be wounded you are smashed right now in the presence of the name of Jesus Spirit of God come and, and fill word of God come I pray even now Spirit of God quicken your word to displace that lie that was believed. You're not ugly. You are altogether lovely. You're so beautiful that even the who made angels looks at you and the scripture says, he says, don't even look at me. You're so beautiful. I can scarcely look at you right now. practices. This is one of those ones that, you know, you can come to Christ, you can lay it all at the altar, have a powerful, I mean, like you're getting deliverance at the altar, salvation experience, and what you didn't know is the enemy kind of tucked away and hid some things in there, like a time bomb, just waiting to, to overtake you in a moment of weakness, and occult practices are one of those so if you've done something like, you know, out of ignorance, when you were a kid, you played with a Ouija board. Or you did one of those things where you look in the mirror, you turn the light out, look in the mirror, and you say something over and over again. Those are occult practices. You may have some in your family line that engaged in actual occult practices, like actual Wiccans, actual witches and warlocks. Satan worshipers and they've been in your line and they made oaths on your behalf you didn't even know they did it they dedicated you to Satan or whatever god or idol they were worshiping you were dedicated before you even knew I'm talking to somebody right now you were dedicated before your life began to Satan right now in the power of Jesus' name to break that off. You are not dedicated to Satan. You are dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't own you. The God who made you owns you. He doesn't have any hold on you. I say, release your grip. whatever I don't even know, I don't know what to call it. You release your grip on the saint of God. You will not have what ancestors promised this one is not yours this one has been redeemed bought with a price purchased beloved possession of the most high God you right now melt like wax in the presence of that God you will have no sway and no say in the life of this saint of the most high oh no you won't when, when you get the those voices that come they come in so many different forms I can't even name them all right now but it's like in the, in the darkness and in your aloneness, you just have this sense. It usually comes with a, like a sense of fear about it. it comes with a, a sense of dread about it, like an impending disaster that you don't even know what you're afraid of. You just feel like there's something wrong is going to happen. If that's you and you've got that going on right now, uh, you may have had some occult in your background. There are other reasons for it, but that's one the Lord's given me right now. You may have had that in your background. You take the authority right now in Jesus' name and sever yourself from it. I sever myself from the lifeline of covenants and promises that were made on my behalf. I am severed from that in Jesus' name. We take an axe to the root of those things, of those occultic practices spirit of the occult, leave right now in the name of Jesus. You have nothing in the bloodline of any saint of God any longer. You have nothing on the people of God. If you yourself have engaged in any of those kind of practices, innocent as they may have seemed at the time, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to renounce those right now if you did it don't just think that because you haven't done it for 30 years that there's not still an open door of access because of what you open it's like this this is one of those ones i just got this picture like uh like one of those uh, what do you call them Bill, billfold doors that you used to get in your basement and it's like you opened it up years and years ago and you haven't been down there to look for a long time and you didn't even know it but there have been things scurrying into that door all along and you'd love it's been so long since you thought about it You didn't even really take heed and think of it as a present issue. So, if you engage in any of those kind of things, it would be like witchcraft or a cult. Say it together, say it with me, repeat after me. I renounce when I did the thing, name the thing. Like I renounce when I played with the Ouija board, I renounce when I did that thing in the mirror. I renounced that, what I thought was a funny prayer to Satan. Sometimes it comes in by the kind of music that we gave ear to, and the things that we literally opened our heart wide, and and some of the music and the lyrics you still remember, but they're actually like demonic worship. There are songs that are like demonic worship and give glory to things like suicide, someone uh, online or here that you listened to music you agreed with the music and opened the door wide for a spirit of suicide and you've been (laughs) plagued with that thought over and over again through your life even though otherwise you seem pretty healthy, you're moving on with life but then this thought comes again it's a suicide and it's there again Renounce whatever you did that in it, and I say you are released right now, spirit of suicide, be gone in the name of Jesus. You are out, you will not have any more to say in the mind, the righteous mind of Christ, of any of God's people. You will have no room to be found in that. But you have to renounce that open door yourself, and you have to shut it yourself. I can't do it for you. You have to renounce it. Does anyone else have a word of knowledge about another open door that we can close? Just just a word of knowledge, make sure it's from the Lord.
1: I feel like um, somebody, and and I could be this somebody myself, um, needs to be released from lying spirits. There's lying spirits that come upon us that want nothing to do more but to... um, get us to turn away from the Lord. And that's a lie. We are towards God. And um, it's a faulty mindset. It's an attack of the mind. And if that is you, if you're finding yourself doubting anything about turning towards the Lord, renounce now. I renounce my faulty mindset. I renounce not trusting the lord god i renounce believing lies about the lord i renounce the things that i've been listening to that don't line up with what the word of god says he is good he is faithful he is kind he's trustworthy he's all all of those things if your mind is telling you that he's none of those things Do it again. Renounce it. I renounce the lies that I've been believing in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. I renounce the lies that I've been believing about the Lord in Jesus' name. And turn from them.
2: Jesus. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Go from this place today in a deep-seated knowledge that God loves you so much. He is so in love with you that it would blow you away if you got even a glimpse of it. Go from this place in the power of the Spirit of God and topple every stronghold that gets in your way. Mm. May every mountain be laid low. May every valley be made raised up and make straight paths for your feet as you go in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. That was awesome today. S- Steve. Thank you so much. Yes. Can we
2: make a quick announcement about what's next?
0: I was just about to do that. Oh,
2: good. Well, We are
0: in the spirit together. You have an announcement though?
2: Well, my announcement is that if you are, your children are planning to play the bells and or have also received a...